0: Hello, and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn podcast. The podcast where we, Jennifer and... Kalia. Two book nerds talk about movies based on books as well as the original source material.
1: Two warnings. This podcast uses barnyard language. Why limit ourselves to only nice words? Some things warrant not-so-nice words.
0: Also, spoiler warning. We will be talking about the endings of both book and movie, so prepare yourself. Okay. Okay. Let's get into it. It's the pages of popcorn's podcast. Jennifer and Kelly will edify it's the pages of popcorn's podcast. Jennifer and Kelly are gonna talk, so you'd better damn well listen.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Pages and Popcorn Podcast. I am so excited today to talk to Jennifer and all of you wonderful people about a book I have a lot of feelings about and a movie I have a lot of feelings about too. But but before we do that, first, a couple of quick announcements. First of all, as always, our show notes with links and sources and more information than you can shake a southern stick at, I'll live at the website for our podcast. So the podcast has a website, which is kmamedia.com slash pages and popcorn podcast. And then every episode has its own little blog post with, like I said, links and the trailer and all sorts of stuff, and our sources, because Jennifer and I we use a lot of sources. And specifically today, <laughs> I'm going to do a lot of quoting from very wise people who had very articulate thoughts on this particular subject so all of that stuff can be found on our website which is kmamedia.com pages and popcorn podcast. And then every episode has its own little post so feel free to check it out of course you can email us at pagesandpopcorn podcast at gmail.com and you can interact with us on our social media platforms we're on twitter we're on facebook kmma media is on instagram I am also in all of those places, so if you want to just talk directly to me, you're more than welcome to do so. And we want to make sure that we invite you to our monthly pop-in events. Jennifer's going to tell us more about those.
0: Join us on the final Monday of each month, 7 p.m. Pacific in Zoom for our monthly pop-in event. Come chat with us about books, movies, movies based on books, books that should be movies, movies that shouldn't have been made, books that should be written. Last month, we had a few special guests. Who will be this month? I don't know. Come to
1: find out. Find the link and all the info on our Facebook page and our website. That's right. And if you want to support us, you, of course, are more than welcome to do so at the $5 level for our patrons. You get the episodes early. You get that warm, fuzzy feeling deep inside, you know, yada, yada. And uh, we would also love it if you would rate and review us, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, Tell your mother's best friends. uh, That's also a good thing to do. You know, just tell the world. Tell the world to listen to us and uh, enjoy us. And that will help us spread the love.
0: Yeah. If you review us, that helps the algorithm. So that is a fantastic
1: way to support us if you indeed like
0: us. Right.
1: (laughs) And, uh, of course, liking and sharing our posts on Facebook and, and stuff also help get the word out. So feel free to do all those things. And now on with the episode
0: i titled this one in my notes serious issues told in the most rapid way possible (laughs) okay we're done (laughs) that's
1: a wrap (laughs) thank you for coming to our ted talk uh yeah okay (laughs) as you probably know by now we are here today to discuss the divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood which is the 1996 novel written by rebecca wells it tells the story of the downward spiraling mother-daughter relationship of vivian walker and Siddeley walker and it was made into the 2002 american comedy drama film which had a huge ensemble cast but specifically Sandra Bullock and Ashley Judd. So <clears throat> here is my book recap. Siddly, a successful theater director with a huge hit on her hands, gives an interview to the New York Times about her life, and when the article is published, it outs her alcoholic mother as a, quote, tap dancing a child abuser, unquote. This pisses off her mother, Vivi, to the extreme. And she is very upset with capital letters with Sid, even though it's totally true. She was indeed an extreme alcoholic mother who was sometimes a wonderful, fun mom and sometimes an absent mom. And oh yeah, totally did beat her daughter. But apparently Vivi is shamed by this getting out to the point where she cuts Sid out of her will and won't talk to her. Sid panics about this. Maybe she doesn't understand love or something, and postpones her upcoming wedding to Connor, and then retreats to a cabin in Washington, tormented by fear and uncertainty about her future, intent on discovering a key to the tangle of anger and tenderness that she feels towards her mother. We have no idea how she plans to do this because she has no idea how she plans to do this, but thankfully again, she has a rich friend with a cabin in the woods that she can just go and sulk in. Thankfully, her mother has sent her a scrapbook of mementos from her, Vivi's, life. Sid pages through these things and thinks about her mom for a few days. The things are interesting, but they really only give her more questions. So she takes blocks and sulks and thinks about her mom. That's Sid. The reader, on the other hand, gets to go on a series of adventures through time. We learn all about Vivian's teen years and how her and her group of friends were simply divine and wonderful and untamable yayas. There are several perspective shifts and I will definitely talk about those later. A few notes. These are rich white girls in the South who over-romanticize the antebellum South and also they drink a lot. As young mothers, they were drunk all the damn time, and Vivi especially is a raging alcoholic. Rich husbands, servants, white privilege, it's all here, along with lots and lots of booze. How fun! There's this one fun story that's supposed to to make us feel bad for Vivi. See, Vivi begs a black maid to take responsibility for her children. This woman is like, no, you hired me for three months, and I have my own family and another job lined up. And Vivi, like, loses her shit and is awful to this woman. How dare you not take care of my children? Then she takes off on a four-day jaunt to the Gulf of Mexico, dressed in nothing but a cashmere coat. She drinks, sleeps, drinks some more, having left her children with her caretaker with zero explanation. Vivi argues that she was just not destined to be a housewife. She was instead meant to be glamorous and famous. It's unnatural to expect her to change diapers and warm up bottles of milk. It's not that Vivi didn't want children. She did, but she is totally unimpressed with the reality and wants to shirk the responsibility. Eventually, she comes back. Again, as the readers we get this, Sid is still moping around a cabin with a scrapbook. Eventually, Vivi's intrepid gang of lifelong girlfriends, those Yayas, yahs, sashay their way to the cabin that Sid is sulking in and they tell her to get over herself. Apparently, there's this one thing that's the culmination of everything. See, this one time, Sid's mom beat her really bad and then went away for a while and no one explained to Sid what was going on. So the yayas yahs explained this. See, Vivi was just so overwhelmed with motherhood and life-changing and all the stuff that she just snapped. And she beat her daughter and then went off to get better so she could be a better mom. Oh, well, okay, a little bit more nuance. She got a prescription for Dexamil, then went on a four-day Catholic retreat. And then when she came back, she was uh, convinced that the devil had invaded her kids. So she basically had this big nervous breakdown and she had to whip them with like the business end of a belt. And, and then after a 3 months stint in the hospital, she returns and she's, she's refusing to completely talk about this whole episode. She never discusses it with anybody. She just says, I dropped my basket as if that means anything. So this is supposed to be her choosing to be a better mom, because I don't really know what choice she had, but okay. So she tried to be a better mom, but basically she was just there drinking all the time and keeping her children at a distance and not engaging with them fully. She was also still crazy and moody and, you know, all of that stuff, but uh, she never beats it again. And I guess maybe she hired some more black help. So everything's fine. The Yaya share these letters and this stories that Vivi wrote about her breakdown and Sid decides to forgive her mom and get married after all. And then she goes home and she and her mom have a reconciliation scene where Vivi doesn't apologize or anything. And uh, well, I mean, everything's fine now for some reason. The end. Okay. I know people love this book. I don't know why. (laughs) But okay. Then they made it into a movie with a stellar cast. Um. The movie recap. We open up with little girls playing Indian princess in the woods and vowing to be friends forever. In modern day, Sid gives an interview and it pisses off her mother royally, cue the dramatics, slamming of phones, cutting photos, writing Sid out of the will, and then Sid sends her parents a wedding announcement with the dates and the place cut out so her mother will have to talk to her. And then the yayas show up at Sid's apartment. Sid's pretty clear about her boundaries. She is done with her mom and her woe is me center of the world bullshit. So the yayas say, "Okay, fine, we understand. Come out to dinner with us." And then they fucky roofie Sid. Legit, it's played for laughs. Aren't they silly? Aren't they quaint? They freaking roofie her and they kidnap her. They put her on an airplane and take her several states away. <laughs> she wakes up and she is pissed she again reasserts her boundaries and they mock her underwear and then they say that this is an intervention Sid rightfully points out that it's her mother who needs an intervention and they're like yeah well she's old she won't change so you have to change and i'm so mad at this movie right now that i have to take a break but i'm back now here comes the scrapbook read the book then you'll forgive her they basically hold her hostage in this cabin until she reads the book Flashback time to a happy Sid and Vivi memory. Modern day, Vivi visits an elderly Wailetta, her black maid slash mother figure, and unburdens herself. I wasn't a horrible mother, was I? Le- Wailetta decides, widely, not to answer, but says that everybody's deal does eventually come due, and that she should just let Sid feel the way she feels. Sid looks through the book, and the yayas tell her the story of their trip to the Gone with the Wind premiere. We'll talk more about the perspective of slavery and Gone with the Wind and Antebellum South, I'm sure. Anyways, there's more stories from the Yayas. There's also like this guy Jack who Vivi loved and then he died. There's topless joyriding. There's Vivi's mother hating her and there's her own family drama. And modern day Sid is starting to warm to her mother she talks to Connor, who's on the side of the Yayas, and it's kind of a shitty conversation. So then Sid gets more flashbacks about the bad part of her mother, you know, the violent alcoholic part of her mother. And so Sid calls Connor and picks a fight. Connor calls Vivi, tells her that the Yayas took her. So Vivi goes off to confront everyone, and Teensy, one of the Yayas, stops her and kind of calls her on a bullshit, but then very much sends her home. So then Sid yells at the Yaya. She's afraid she'll be like her mom. She doesn't want to beat her kids and then bail and get dragged back by her friends and then just drink away the years. And the Yaya's are like, oh my God, we had no idea that kids go through trauma differently than adults and maybe need things to be explained to them. Holy shit. Epiphany time. Vivi, by the way, has been having her own moments of introspective. We actually see her taking a little bit of the blame for stuff. I mean, she does this in her yard by herself, not to her daughter or anybody else, but, uh, I don't know she's kind of doing it, but she's also doing it in this weird smiley way that makes you wonder if it's actually genuine and whatever. She misses her husband. He's been spending most of the movie walking around looking resigned. And so the Yaya's confront Vivi about telling Sid the truth and she insists, but they're very persuasive, but she doesn't want to do it. Sid's dad's trying his hand at fixing things. He talks to Sid. His take is pretty much, you should forgive her cause she's sad. Connor shows up and dad nopes out of everything. Connor and Vivi chat. Vivi tells him about the time when motherhood got too much for her because her kids were sick and poopy. So she bailed on them for several days and went and slept in a hotel. I didn't screw up Sid any more than my other, my own mother screwed me up, she says. I just hurt myself because even at this point in the movie, she has no clear concept of what actually happened in anybody's life. Then she goes up to her husband is like, did I ruin your life? No, no, he says. I knew it was a coin flip. I I knew what I was signing up for. It's fine. I enable all of your bad behavior because that's who I am. Next day, everyone is still trying to convince Vivi to tell the truth about the whole beating the children incident and running away part. The husband says, there's no shame in what happened. And I am like, yes, there is, but whatever. So she says, no, 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 she just can't Do it. She can't be the one to tell the truth. So the yayas will do it for her. Fuck this noise, I write in my notes in all caps. Fuck this noise. Okay, so the yayas are gonna go tell Sid the truth. And for some reason, Vivi decides to tell Connor the truth. Here is the truth. After the running away incident, when she came back, she tried to stop drinking, but it was really hard. So she started taking these pills to help. And then they made her crazy. So then she beat the kids in a manic, insane episode. They were saved by Willetta and her husband. And then she was committed for six months. OK, where we now know that she just drank and then was her whatever self for the next 30 years after she came back. So apparently, she felt bad. She was ashamed. And she kept all her kids at you know arm's length because she didn't trust herself yaya's feel bad no one told the kids but you know that wasn't really their job you don't interfere in other people's families and they promised they would never tell oh my god so like now we get to the real thing that's mental illness and it's a stigma and it's strong and it's awful but it's it's not play it's it's handled badly anyways Sid always thought that she'd done something wrong and that's why she was sad. And the yayas are like, oh no, 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 you didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, even though Sid has had 15 years of therapy, like apparently nobody had ever told her that like her mother's crimes weren't her fault. Okay, dad is like, just think about the good times, ignore the bad times, it'll be better for you. So then Sid has a flashback of her mom being a good mom. So then Connor shows up and gets Sid. They go to Vivi's birthday party sit in her palm, have a conversation. There is actual reconciliation here. Vivi actually says that she's sorry. She won't let Sid apologize. She says that the truth hurts. Thank God this is better than in the book, for sure. The reconciliation is done. Now it's time for, well, they're going to put Sid into the Yaya sisterhood. So now, you know, with the Indian headdresses, the "Quote unquote," Indian headdresses and more blood sharing and yeah yeah and the fact that that we never see Sid's siblings ever again. Whatever, who cares? Okay, woman power. The end.
0: Yeah, my favorite theory is that the mother of Vivian drowned her four children. That's why you never see them again. They just died, and Sid is
1: the only one left over. Seriously, I read that review too. <sighs> I think, yeah. <laughs> oh my god
0: yeah there's so much going on and part of it is like there are serious issues that the story brings up and then the other part is wow writer this is what you thought was good and interesting and we're trying to tell it like it was cute and wow
1: i have so many issues with this book one of the very first and issues. movie yes the rupees yeah no no no, no, no. before before anything else okay The title of this book is The Secrets, plural, of the Yaya Sisterhood. You know what this book is about? This book is about Vivi and Sid, kind of. Mostly about Vivi. This book is not about a sisterhood. This book is not about a group of friends. This book is about one person and her bad behavior being enabled by a bunch of other people.
0: The enabling is amazing.
1: When people say, oh, it's such, you know, it's so good to have book about women friendships and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, this is not that. This is not, this is not okay. (laughs) This is not okay. First of all, these women are not, these characters are not very well written, okay? The focus that the author has on their physical descriptions and how it's- It's it's, almost
0: incestuous to a certain degree.
1: And it's very one note, everything. You know, Teen C is The stripper. Well, but she's teensy because she's small. You know, Caro is like a little bit more exotic. And then there's like... All the characters' names are basically pet animal names. Yeah, they sound like little baby names. Okay, so there's a couple of major themes here. Oh, and I am... I am there is this wonderful review that I'm going to link in the show notes and let me see if I can get the name of it just to even start off, because so much of what I'm about to say came from this literary vittles. Oh, Disturbing Secrets of the Yaya System. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that I was actually this really review. well done. This review is amazing. I was like, can I just read this review into the mic. <laughs> this review and then Roger Ebert's review of the movie. I think we could call exactly. it a day. <laughs> Those two hit the most perfect notes. <laughs> Okay, but in case, in case you want to listen, because you know it's a podcast. So here's a few things that she talks about. She talks about physical beauty, right? Okay. Is a stand-in for everything. The highest compliment that you can give somebody is that they've lost weight. And at one point, Vivi says, Thank God I had good looking babies because they're easier to love. Like this book is obsessed with the superficial physical stuff. It's all very superficial, right? Which is just awful. And I don't know if you bumped on it. I hate it when they describe people in books and they give unrealistic body types and measurements. But at one point they say that Vivi is 5'4 and 115 pounds, but somehow still very athletic. Jennifer, I'm (laughs) 5'4. I've been 115 pounds. I was not athletic. You could see my ribs. It was gross. Like it's, I it's emancipated and disgusting. It is not. That's not a thing we should be aspiring to. Is five four and one hundred and fifteen pounds, like just no. And I know, I know that like weight, you know, all of that stuff is is very subjective, and it doesn't, you know, a lot of it can be different on bone density and and stuff. And the BMI is a bad metric, and all of that stuff. But it, I just it kind of reminds me of reading like either fan fiction or amateur porn
0: where every guy has a 10-inch penis. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to know the measurements. I don't need the circumference or the diameter. That's that's not necessary. That doesn't tell a story. It makes me wonder what she got at the hospital, and she's described as being too thin and ashamed of being too thin. I'm wondering like how much thinner
1: could she have gotten? Well, and okay, it's one thing to be like, okay, five four, and 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 I don't want to like just obsess about this, but like 150 pounds, you know, wafy and skinny, that that happens. People are like that, you know, but they also go out of their way to talk about how muscular her legs are, you know, and she played tennis and she had some like ability, she was like a really strong swimmer and she, you know, could like do all of these, like there was physical, physicality to her, right? And so those are the things that don't go well together. You can't be highly muscular and still only 115 pounds if you're five i just i know i'm obsessing if had about like said thing. the height and
0: and just left the weight off it would have been fine
1: oh yeah for sure but for sure. giving
0: a weight number is assigning a value that isn't possible yeah.
1: and it, unless and she's
0: got bird bones right
1: And it's just, it, but that's, it just exemplifies the whole thing about how it's very superficial. It's all on just the physicality of what everybody looks like. It's the surface of it. You know, everybody looks really good. Therefore they are good. Everybody, you know, her mom, uh, Vivi's mother was a bad mother. She was, you know, overly Catholic, but she was also ugly. When Vivi gets sent in the book, she gets sent off to Catholic school, like, you know, boarding school for a little while. And her first and major complaint to her friends is that everybody here is ugly. They're all ugly. and it's They like, don't have a closet. Yeah, that too. That's I can't hang so up my sad. dresses. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, okay, are they ugly on the inside or the outside? She's not making a differentiation. It's they're ugly. You know, because they're not like me, effervescent and bubbly and blah 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 blah. And I'm just like, oh my god. Now, Jennifer, we our last podcast was *Bastard Out of Carolina*, and then there's this, and they're both Southern books, and they have time overlap. And I, I know that I came into this book and having just read that one, and I know that that colors a little. I am just so over these rich white entitled women bitching about nothing and drinking their way through everything and it just <sighs> okay
0: i do want to read this aloud and we both wrote this review but i'm going to do it anyway because it's such a good line the Yahya sisterhood is rubber stamped from the same mold that produced an inexhaustible supply of fictional southern bells who drink too much talk too much think about themselves too much try too hard to be the most unforgettable character you've ever met and are in general insufferable
1: yes yeah
0: and this is my impression while i was reading it is the author seems to be stuck on the physicality and so Sita is stuck on this physicality in a very unhealthy way and there are some lines that really like struck me where you know it's almost lesbian relationship which would be fine except it isn't but how often do you have those relationships when you're piled on top of each other as friends and Sina has this line where she remembered what her mother's body looked like and it made her sad that she didn't know what that looked like anymore. I don't know that I've ever had that reaction. It's
1: such a weird way of thinking about it. Okay well I, I think there's two things. One the the friend stuff is Vivi with her girlfriends you know all piled in a bed together all piled in the tub together and it's it's like it's as if somebody was like well you can't be close female friends without it being physical because that's what women are right we're touchy-feely and so like that feels like an 80s film where you're trying on each other's lingerie and hanging out because that's what sorority girls do Right. It it felt like it was like the author's attempt at shorthand to tell us how close they all were. You couldn't always tell where one body ended and another body began. So I don't really see that as as lesbian as much as a lack of autonomy. Does that make sense? Like they were one unit of I, I got
0: this. I couldn't stop thinking of the
1: human centipede. Oh, gross. Okay. Um, and thank you. Now I have to put that in the show notes. So Yay you. So that's, that's definitely there. And it is, it, and so it, it almost works because of the, uh, the other Yaya's are almost interchangeable except for Vivi, right? Like they're just this pack that kind of is with around her and supporting her and enabling her. They don't have a whole lot of their own anything, a little bit more in the book, but in the movie, they, I mean, thankfully we had amazing actresses. Otherwise they're literally all the same person. Kind of, you know? And it's so that that's very frustrating. Okay. Then the other thing you're talking about, the physicality is Sita filling with her mom. I, I mean, I bumped on that too. There was like this like, you know, her mom's toenail polish and her mom's this and her mom's hands and her mom's body and body, body, body. Which makes sort of sense though, because her mom was obsessed with her own body. And so, like, to me, like it's weird the way it's written because there's no awareness that it's weird. But if you have a parent who's obsessed with something and who instills those virtues and values into their kids and those kids are going to be obsessed with the same thing. So like the biggest compliment Sita could give her mom was that her mom looked like she'd lost weight, you know, and all of this stuff and that dynamic of of again like being obsessed with looks and how one looks has rubbed off completely on Sita. So I feel like that's like the only way she knew how to relate to her mom was through these beauty standards and such. Does that make sense? Under
0: a more insightful writer, that would have been a really interesting theme to explore. Yes. Of how your sense of body gets transferred generationally. But with this author, because she isn't that talented, she's okay. And there are some good lines, but she doesn't have the same level of insight that would make this a really good novel.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed so so it didn't really work and it just became weird a weird thing yeah. um and and kind of a through line though you know because at the end sita does like compliment her mom's body that that's how they make their peace and there's no apology but there's like compliments about but and in the movie kind of did that too like it kind of you know oh let's make a joke like like the worst thing in the world could possibly be that you would you know gain weight holy no oh no 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 can't do that that's the absolute worst. So. It's also very i won't i don't want to say of its time but it kind of is i mean like let's let's be honest here in the 90s we had that heroin chic like the 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 very very skinny and and we weren't really as a society moving into like awareness that fat phobia is a thing and that you know i mean a lot of communities were talking about it but it wasn't nearly what it is today where we're like hey that's not healthy and body image is really important. And we need to, you know, be more cognizant of how we talk about people's bodies and, and all of those things. And growing up in the nineties and, and being a teenager in the nineties and a young person in the early aughts, I remember very specifically having uh, body issues that I can, I can directly point to stuff like this, books like this, that helped instill that that was What you were supposed to do or not do and how you were supposed to look and not look and your value as a woman and stuff so yeah so
0: again like another sort of background theme is they go to the movie premiere and oh my god there's vivian lay and cart gable and all this stuff if you remember in the film she has like the 18 inch waist i could be wrong i'll have to double check but i believe it was 18 because after she was pregnant she had the 20 inch waist and she's like i'm never getting pregnant again
1: yes it is it is definitely a thing about the teeny tiny waste and bleh.
0: yeah so um, i would talk this up a bit to um generational issues uh and we see that with jack where there's this generational issue with war and his family was on war the south was at war there there were there's a lot of that pain in the culture that has never been solved
1: yes at the same time this book is like obsessed with you know, being basically like a Southern apologist thing and the over romanticization like I said, of the antebellum South, like these girls. And it makes sense for them in the thirties to be like, oh my God, Scarlet's so pretty. The dresses are so pretty. We want to go back to that time period. We have black servants, you know, like, and we're rich white girls. And so like, we think that that just sounds beautiful and romantic and yada, yada, yada. It's all very melodramatic. The problem is that they don't age out of that in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s as they get older. And they, they're still clinging to those types of things. And this whole book feels like, like, like a love letter to this type of Southern experience that is, A, not based in reality, B, is very damaging to people, and C, is just shitty all around for everybody. You know what I mean? So another aspect of how these characters are problematic. <laughs> is the racism? Uh, Willetta is barely mentioned. She's little more than a,
0: a title character. Uh, Sita references to her as like you know she's my black mother. So we have you know the black mammy stereotype coming in. Mm-hmm. They try to soften it a little bit in the movie where Vivian actually goes to visit Willetta and takes care of her. There's a couple scenes just because it's so horribly done in the novel
1: right I think they had to soften it a bit they were at least self-aware enough to realize that that was a shitty thing and they need should make it a little bit better yeah and they changed it it was um Willetta and her husband who found and saved the children from the beating not the friend you know so they, they did a little bit in the movie but it was still very much phoned in very much still a, a racist portrayal and you know uh, she's talking about you know my 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 white mother and my black mother but she barely even talks about willetta at all except for basically that one line so yeah. no the whole
0: novel is about vivian the damaged one not the one who actually took care of Siddha.
1: right right because that's the one she's obsessed with yeah and then let's talk about the racism implicit in like vivian it's like i can't I can't do this motherhood thing. I need you to do it. And she gets incensed when the Black woman's like, no, man, I have my own family. I have another job. And she just, she feels so entitled and angry in the book. Like the passage is just awful. Her her anger at this woman for not taking care of her children. You know, how dare you have your own children and your own lives and your own autonomy and needs. You're here for me even when they're children and she finds will crying you know when they are on this trip to atlanta and she's like well okay let us sad and it's making me uncomfortable so we'll let it get up and make me hot chocolate because that'll make me feel better it's like what the fuck, man and again there's no response to that later like nobody learns
0: there's no consequence Exactly. And in fact, Willella kind of gives in and says, Well, I made you chocolate. Like yeah. the most you see in the movie is they throw food at that boy for being about as awful racist as that you could be. So they're not the real racist. He's the real racist. And they're standing up for this woman.
1: But it's so performative. And then they flounce out together ignoring like you know it's 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 very much about oh we're so untainable we're so crazy it's it has really nothing it was just a proxy it was just a thing that they used it had nothing to actually do with the issue you know i oh man
0: oh yeah it kind of goes back to well we're the most unforgettable characters
1: you've ever met look at us we're so wild we're so wild Yeah. And 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 again, with the privilege aspect of it, like these girls freaking skinny dipping in the town's water supply, like, okay, gross. And, but there's not going to be any consequences. There's no consequences for their bad actions. There's no consequences, you know, for all of the drinking and all of the neglect. And I just, oh man. Okay. But before we move off of the racism, there's the native American racism. (laughs) Oh my
0: God. Yeah. So for those of you listening, I just did like this massive point thing at the camera going, yes. And again, they toned it down the movie. They made it less American Indian and just like their their little hats are these rhinestone ridiculous things. But yes, as I was reading
1: it, they're little girls. So Teensy whips the empty oatmeal boxes out of her paper sack. We all beat on them. While we drum, we yell to the night in the woods and the fire that we're now the yayas yas Etc. Then they all get their own quote unquote Indian names, and then their ceremonial paints. And I have to I have to read it. Okay, so this is an actual quote. We take turns drawing in each other until we could pass for full blooded Indians. Oh my God! And yes, this is in the 30s. Yes, they don't know any better. Yes, they're they're little, little girls. girls. Yes, but. There's no this is written
0: by an adult woman who should have known better.
1: And in the movie, they take that from the beginning and then they replicate it at the end. So now they are like women in their 60s or 70s or whatever. And Sita is 40 and not going, yo, this is a little mm, you know what I mean? I just well,
0: their whole life becomes <sighs> defined by like this whole ya. Oh, yeah. well, it's ya, yay, yeah, ya yeah, 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 no. And I'm like this is this is a group that takes the joke too far yeah what amuses a six-year-old girl is also supposed to amuse a grown-ass woman
1: yeah (sighs) so have you heard about the chick flick checklist the chick flick checklist uh no tell us tell us about it
0: so there's a couple of these and this is the thing like i think chick flick gets a bad name there's some really good novels out there there's some really good books and then there's a lot of really vapid, phoned in, lazy bullshit. So, with the uh, checklist, I was going through a couple of them. The quirky female best friend, sister of the protagonist. The protagonist is just a typical average New Yorker, wildly successful, fantastic apartment, average New Yorker, making terrible decisions that somehow result in happy ever afters or great events that would have never worked out in real life, like, you know, roofing a person protagonist with an intelligent job who happens to be an idiot in every other aspect of their life
1: <gasps>
0: <laughs> protagonist is actually a terrible person vivian is a terrible terrible person
1: yes vivian is a terrible person and this book and this movie both try really hard to make her sympathetic
0: canceled interrupted wedding and that made absolutely no sense why Sita canceled the wedding in the book or the movie. She just decides, well, we need to put it on pause because I don't know how to love. Yeah. This is, this is what gives female-centered writing movies a bad name because there, there was no reason for it. Mm-hmm. It was dumb. She's a woman in her 40s and she can't figure some basic shit out.
1: Right. A woman in her 40s who's, who's been in therapy for 15 years, apparently. And has, has learned nothing, but also refuses to talk. Now, and I get there's like this institutionalized trauma, right? If your parents don't talk, then you don't talk. Like, I get it, right? It, it is difficult to, to break those patterns of behavior, especially if that's all you've ever known. But it's not all Sid has ever known. She obviously went to college she went and lived in New York. You know, she's not been there. And in the movie, they make a point saying she hadn't actually talked to her mom in seven years. Like, I just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It it just doesn't work. And the reconciliation is so fast. And in the book, it's awful. It doesn't actually, there, there's no reconciliation. She just shows up and compliments her mom on, you know, looking thin, the end. And then they yeah, get, and she gets like married. Yeah, and like
0: big revelation is, oh, my mom is really insecure in a way I never noticed.
1: yeah. Well, goody. Like, but the other thing is like, my mom beat us this one time and then she went away and that's my big source of trauma. Okay. I am not diminishing the fact that the mom beat her. It's awful. It is awful. It was also once. Okay. And then the mom went away and when she came back, she didn't hit her again. Now in an ideal world, Siddha would understand she went away to get better in some way. And then she came back and maybe they could have had group therapy or talked about it, whatever. I get that that's not going to happen in this book or movie. But, but Sita as a 40 year old woman didn't think she went to rehab or she went somewhere like she went somewhere, something bad happened. She went away. And when she came back, she was better. I'm using air quotes, but she was, she was to a level better. She wasn't a great mom, but she was better than she was. But for some reason, the fact that nobody told her, but also did Sita ever ask because I don't well, get the vibe that Sita was like asking these questions, like, "Hey, what? Where did you go, Mom?" Or, "Hey, Dad, where did she go?" Like, why is that the thing we're getting hung up on, right? Oh, okay. So, and again, one- we just read "Bastard Out of Carolina." That woman let her daughter be beat and raped, and then that woman actually went away to fucking California and abandoned her daughter. And I know it's not fair; it's not a struggle bus competition, but my sympathy for Sita is not where it should be at, as a 40 year old woman, it's there for Sita as a child. And my sympathy for Vivian is like non-existent, which is awful. And I feel bad because she did go through some bad stuff, but the way this book is written, I was so mad at her and frustrated with her that there wasn't room for more than a superficial sort of sympathy. Does that make sense? Like she, she did have, some bad stuff like she lost the love of her life okay that's sad she wanted more out of life she got she married the wrong quote unquote wrong man who worshiped her but okay not the right man um she didn't really want to be a mother but she was you know she had four kids or three kids it was kind of weird um they got uh, dude i understand that especially when there's poop and there's vomit and like you're at the end of your rope but where the hell were her freaking sisterhood of yaya's when she needed them then right if this yeah, since we're talking sisterhood, about sisterhood. I'm sorry, but like, that is why we have female friends is so that we can support each other. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that. So you can't be like, we're so good friends. We always take care of each other, except when your life was actually really hard, in which case we just weren't there. I, I no. Okay. So a couple things. <laughs> i know you you hate having
0: like sequels and prequels and that which changes the story this doesn't change the story but if you read one of the sequels uh, little alters everywhere vivian is a straight up abusive mom the entire time like this one incident is one among many she is a terrible person and there's no reason to idolize her
1: in this book that's not here in this book, Siddha seems to be obsessed with this one thing, and that is shitty, because it's not fair to the reader.
0: To a certain extent, uh, and some of this is, is done better in the movie, where you see Sita having, at a very young age, to become the parent and the caretaker. Yes. That's we, hugely abusive.
1: We do see more of the abusive, violent, angry mom vivi as, as and Sita as a child in the movie we see that way more we we get it a little bit in the book but in the book it's like mom slept and was really depressed for long periods of time and was like absent and neglectful not which is its own form of abuse you know i'm not saying it's not which but it's it is it was very different in the movie they made it a little bit more cut and dried and obvious um,
0: they made it a lot more tactile like when you see sita Siddha- like her mom has a fit and throws the pan and the glass and Sita has to go up as a as a young child she looked like she was about 10 and picking up a cast iron off the ground and there's her father not taking care of her not taking care of the situation and just saying well just make sure you don't burn your hand honey yeah because there's there's a lot to be said with what's going on here because that is really abusive and you'll see that with uh, the children of alcoholics and it does really screw them up later on in life.
1: Yes. And, and I, I know I got real ranty for a minute and I want to make sure that I'm being very clear. Siddha is abused as a child. Yes. And it is unfair to compare this book to other books and other people's struggles. I I hear myself doing it. And it's a thing that I need to be more cognizant of. Siddha's mother was a horrible alcoholic who was abusive. That is very true. So I just thing. feel like I feel like the book is trying to give us a reason for it to make us sympathize. And I don't think you have to have a shitty childhood to be a shitty person,
0: right? I also so, think Rebecca Wells wants us to like Vivian.
1: Yes, she does. And but but part of it is that she wants us to be like, well her alcoholism is because of all of the this, this stuff that happened to her, which is fine. And a lot of people have, you know, you could, there are people who they can clearly point, I am this way because of this, because of this. But sometimes that's not, it's not as cut and dried as that. And like, it, we don't have to know the background of somebody to feel badly for them, right? It's enough to say this person had, was mentally ill, or this person had a disease, this person was alcoholic, and this is like the bad things that happen in their life because of it, and da-da-da-da-da. I feel like when you start giving the reasons too much in the past, um, and, and, and this book definitely does it, because Sita. You know, she only can be a great writer, a creative type, because she had this bad childhood. What I feel like that does is that that glamorizes it. It, it makes it like it's kind of okay. The oppression
0: I, Olympics.
1: Yeah, kind of, and and it also just makes it feel like like you don't get to be creative. You know, if you don't have that, and also I feel like it, it shifts the blame a little bit, not that we want to blame alcoholics, but I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable to just be like, well, you know what it is. It's because when somebody says, I'm this because of that, then suddenly the emphasis is on the that, and not the this anymore, and I feel like sometimes we really need the emphasis to be on the this not the I, that i
0: kind of go to you know your thing about apologies where you know you make the apology but that's not the end of the conversation you can say i'm this way because of that and that's a starting point and that's important to know because there's the conversation that happens after that
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know
0: yes that is important to understand that's why you do get like backgrounds and histories when you do uh, therapy and then you move on from it you, you continue with that conversation well this is what you have to do to get over that right so this is what kind of bothers me about both the movie and the book is that there are some really serious important issues being discussed but because of the storytelling we don't really get to the discussion of what's really important like postpartum depression is a major issue
1: Mm
0: -hmm. postpartum anxiety postpartum psychosis those are all that like the other we hear about depression but we don't hear about the other parts um Vivian was given fucking speedballs. I, I looked at the medication that she was given in the movie and she's basically given an amphetamine to make her all high. And then she's given a perpetuate to also calm her down. And that's a fucking speedball. She was having a psychotic break for a reason. Right. And that was like, they do make a mention. Wow, we
1: really didn't know shit at the time of what we were doing medically. And that is such an important component but because it's just lost in all the other, everything else. It's part of this cacophony and it's hard to take people seriously when they're still drinking, Yeah, you know, and And that goes
0: back to the enabling of this sisterhood is that it is, this is extremely insidious, Mm -hmm. but it is something that happens in families and friends where your friends and family will enable you. And even though we know it's bad and we're you're not supposed to, She's an alcoholic, but we still, well, we only have a bottle of vodka. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, they don't stop drinking. They don't ever call her on
0: it. They don't say, wow, Vivian, you beat your kid up and let's take care of your husband. Who's he (sighs) is a man in the sixties breaking down at a wedding. Yeah. And you can see him. he, He doesn't know how to cope and he wants to do well. Like he's trying to feed his wife and he doesn't know what to do. He has no tools whatsoever. And right. the tools that they do have are that really shitty priest who says, Well, you're a mother. Yeah, and just- that goes this whole like sexism, patriarchy, smash that patriarchy bullshit of, Well, you're a
1: mother. You're supposed to get rid of those bad thoughts. You can't have postpartum depression. And if you have bad thoughts, just ignore them, tamp them down, bear your cross silently. And yeah. again, like, so there are some really fundamentally serious issues. Like you just said, there's this patriarchal thing, there's this religious aspect, there's like what tools we have, there's mental health, there's postpartum, there's alcoholism, there's child abuse, all of that stuff. But because it's like surrounded by this floofy, oh, aren't we so exciting and interesting ladies? What makes us exciting and fun is that we're drunk all the time. Like if you're drunk, everything's funny, right? So, you know, it it just doesn't have any of the actual consequences. Nobody sobers up in this thing, even though they're trying to do, and you can't have a serious conversation about serious things if you're, you know, fucking drunk and distracted by twinkly lights. It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah. I was thinking that Vivian might be bipolar, but it's so hard to tell because you don't ever see her where she's kind of in a normal state where we can get a base. This is who Vivian is. And she has, you know, these high moments and low moments because what we see is her going through trauma being on these pills that will seriously screw anybody up mm-hmm. you know so it, it's really hard to tell well where's the fun vivian mom who you know if rescues her daughter in that whole drowning thing but you see the sun coming out from behind her and she's like the center of her daughter's world she does the fun airplane thing in the book it's an elephant right so is that who she is is she really bipolar because she's everywhere in this? And that's what makes the tone really, really bizarre. Your and movie, and yet- you are enabling alcoholism as yeah. you are telling us alcoholism is bad.
1: Right, right. Because again, there's no real consequences. And the other thing is there's like this very weird shift. Like Vivi as a child, you can see how she, ki- how she became Vivi as a, a young mother. You can see that. It makes sense, right? That seems like a natural progression. But then we skip a bunch of years. And now we have Vivia as an old lady with her own daughter. And I don't buy it. I don't buy, especially in the movie, I don't buy Ashley Judd becoming Ellen Burstyn. Like it just, it seems disingenuous. Because Vivia' as the young girl was the center of attention, blah, blah, blah. And then Vivias as the old lady is that too. But but Ashley Judd's Vivi wasn't quite in the same way. I don't know. It just it it, it stretched credulity.
0: As I mean, a as a side note, um, Ashley Judd does a really
1: good job. Ashley Judd is the best part of this movie. Yeah, that's. I mean, the cast is 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 stellar. These are a lot of very talented actresses. Specifically, Ashley Judd is. Yeah, she does a great job. Amaze balls in this movie.
0: Sita in the book has almost no personality she's just kind of this humdrum little nothing and like wow you're a famous playwright who you know has no personality that doesn't usually
1: work you know what's interesting is that in the movie they make a point of showing us that she's staging a play that she's written and there's a shot of them on, on the stage and they're getting the props ready and it's this very specific neon light and they're like okay and then later on in the movie we see a flashback Sita has of herself as a child and her mother vivi's like having kind of a a pseudo breakdown and like almost running to run away and like crying in the car and all this stuff and they're pulled over and she's comforting her mother and that very specific neon light is there okay so what this makes you think is that the play that Sita is putting on is based on her life or is is pulling from her life especially since they're like you know you're a creative person because you had a bad childhood all of that that's like that's the theme here except that since nobody had ever talked to sita about what her mother was going through like that play could only be about the child's perspective of it do you know what i mean it almost it doesn't it doesn't quite work either does, does that make sense my my confusion
0: yeah she's she's got
1: maybe 30% of the puzzle Mm -hmm.
0: and she's trying to show the whole thing and it's like no you've only got like just pieces of it and you're not again like you know that your mother disappeared for six months you didn't have any questions about it but this is kind of part of what you see a lot is the we don't talk about that in this culture there's a lot of we don't talk about like um when jack is killed and he did the most Dangerous saying that you could do in world war ii he was a fighter pilot and they had the highest death rates it it, it was it was suicide so he goes into this and nobody wanted him to do this his mother didn't um vivian doesn't he's doing it for his father he's got these terrible reasons he dies and when you die young one he's not fully formed so he can be idolized as this perfect person and vivian holds on to that instead of moving on
1: and sort of learning who her husband is and even in that scene where they the family finds out that jack has died the mother is is wrecked and it's it's a it's a heartbreaking moment the mother is wrecked and vivian is sobbing but there's really no room for the sister or anybody else to have an emotion because this book this it's all about vivi and i guess kind of the mom you well, know- it's about Vivi because that's her reaction to the mom.
0: You yeah. know, it's about her, this is the woman in the fridges sort of trope is the mother's pain isn't real except in how Vivi responds to it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So there's something about the book that I want to talk about that goes beyond the the story itself and is more about the writing because we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but I want to actually talk about it the perspective changes in this book were very frustrating to me because we start in third person. Sid does this. Siddha does this. Siddha walks over here. Sita thinks to herself, blah, 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 blah. And then at one point, Sita starts writing something or telling. So that now we're in the first person of Sita, And is going, my mother, blah, blah, blah. My mother, blah, blah, blah. I feel this way. I feel this way. Okay, great then we shift over and we've got third person vivi vivi takes a drink vivi has a thought vivi blah 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 and then as readers we get to go on this little adventure where we're now in vivi's flashback i was a child we did these things we went over here we talked to these people but Sid is not part of either of those last two things but somehow she kind of gleams them a little bit. Yeah, it's the osmosis of the book. So as a reader, I have 100 pieces of information. Sita, the character, has 40. You know, Vivi has 42. They Neither one add up to 100. And at the end, they both act like they're totally in the same place as the reader. And its it was very frustrating to me because I, I was like, why would this character do this? They don't have the knowledge that I, as the reader, have. I, I found the perspective shifts very jarring. In some ways, I thought the movie annoying.
0: actually kind of, if it were a smarter movie, it would have made more of a comment on this. But they're like, well, you have to read the book. And she opens up the book and she's reading pictures. Yes. And every once in a while, there's like a letter, but you're like, is she supposed to glean all this
1: information? by reading pictures (laughs) they fixed that because the the yaya's bring the book and then they explain the and like we when we see the flashbacks we come back to the present of them all sitting around the couch drinking and having a conversation so we know that something is getting explained it's not just somebody having a memory three thousand miles away from somebody else and that person being like oh now i understand you know what i mean so they they did that i and will they all- never
0: like it was so shitty of vivian to like cut up those pictures and send them to her
1: daughter oh cutting her face out of all the family pictures yeah and and, like, them? oh my god did you make a copy of that because that is a super fucking shitty thing to do oh my god
0: it's it's so over the top like if they left it where they bang the phone you know the mother doesn't then the daughter does it you could go yep that's where she learned it and that would have been kind of funny and cute but they don't like leave it there they 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 extend the joke too far
1: so it's not funny it's trying to be funny and is not it's so dramatic and and to have to go from i'm I'm literally cutting pictures apart family pictures I'm taking things off the wall I'm removing you from my will you know all of these things to one conversation now everybody's happy and we're fine again is just. Again, we're going to just sweep it under the rug. We're not really going to talk about it. Uh, another thing we're not going to talk about, apparently, is that Sid actually has a job that she can just go off and ignore for who knows how long while she deals with this. And, and she mis- didn't do anything. He's like, yeah, it's cool they roofied you, but I'm sure they did like the right thing. Connor and her dad, the same kind of cut from the same cloth. Okay. I, I kind of exist, but I'm kind of just here to be background and to sit on the porch and be like those women, eh? <laughs> Which on the one hand, fine. We need movies and books about women and less about men. Sure, sure, sure. But like, dude, this is a little extreme, but yeah, no, Sid, Sid has a job that she's going to leave. And then she's like, I should get back to my job. But then she completely forgets about her job because it's it's more important these feelings and whatever than actual practicality. In the book, she's off like at a cabin that her rich friend has. So very oh, how nice for you. I use my cabin. Yeah. Yeah. To to like think about a future play. And the the thing is that she wants the scrap because she wants to understand her mother's friends to help her with her play right oh my god it was way convoluted it, it was that part was actually better in the movie yeah as well. so you
0: brought this up a little bit earlier it's just there's a lot of wealth and no real talk about where it comes from
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know mm-hmm. it grows up on a 900 acre plantation and that brought like some really odd things about how her father controlled her mother's money you know so to get five dollars she's got to swindle
1: the gas you're talking about Vivi now not Sita
0: yeah well I'm talking about Sita's mother and father so Sita's father has this weird controlling thing with Sita's mother yes so Shep and Vivi where she can't get five dollars from the local gas guy because he says well I'm sorry you know Shep was over here says we can't charge you and like there's a lot of unspoken stuff that's going on behind there so it reminds me of Vivian's mother and father having their fights and using her to get back at each other in a deeply fucked up way mm-hmm. where the father buys vivian a diamond ring and there's some the mother going well you did something to get that yeah euphemistically you did something and there's vivian going what the fuck's wrong with you two i it's just i'm, I'm trying to be a kid here mm-hmm. yeah so th- it seemed like there's some continuation of that like why does she have to scheme to get five it, dollars it's still a very parental way of having to deal with somebody who should be your spouse and partner.
1: Yes, but that's, I mean, that's the whole thing in this book and movie is that men are there to provide the money, to smile bemusedly at the women folk, to occasionally thwart a plan, but just so that the women can prove how intrepid and spunky they are in response, and the end. That that's- Yeah,
0: so... There, yeah there's that sexism again with the way like if you look at like Father's Day, it's usually fathers going out for a day of golf. If you look at Mother's Day, it's the kids doting on the mother for a change, but it's still very much a parental thing whereas Father's Day, it's often the opposite. So we don't give women the same latitude that they may need a break and we don't give fathers the same latitude that they can also have depression. They also go through a lot when parenting happens and we don't give men, any time off, you know, for having children, you know, because they are part of a, a parenting uh, team here.
1: Yeah, that the breakdown of, of the ge- the gender, the patriarchy hurts men too, basically.
0: Yes, <laughs> there's that thing like people say, well, you know, back in the day, people used to stay together, and Vivian Shep don't. They have a good relationship they're teaching their children not to have good relationships
1: again they they softened that quite a bit in the movie and they gave Shep's other stuff to do in the movie and they, and they cast james garner who just you know looks friendly and ha- you know loving and whatever unflappable
0: even yeah, when you
1: know just, glasses are being chucked at his head mm-hmm. so i mean is that a, i don't know if that's an improvement or not honestly <laughs>
0: but it, like how often like do they have a light of credit at like the local store to get all this pottery and, and
1: glassware replaced? Because she checks a lot of things all the time. Do you have you seen any of the show The Great? Uh-uh. Okay. There's there's a, a running joke in that because everyone goes, huzzah And then they throw their shot glasses down and they just it's a lot of glassware getting broken over and over and over again. And it's whatever. Okay. Yeah. I hate this, Uh, Rebecca Wells has a quote where she's talking about stuff about the mother-daughter's relationships caught forever between love and hatred. And I just wanna say F you because not all mother-daughter relationships are about love and hatred. Yeah, this is where I say, you know, death of the author. But with this one,
0: I I don't think Rebecca Wells is telling an autobiographical story by any means, but a lot of her own ideas do come out in this. She does not live in louisiana she hasn't for years i think that's rather telling there's a lot of euphemism for serious issues and so jack's mother kills herself she has this elaborate fantasy for you know over a year that jack must be alive and she gets vivian in on this and then she goes in the french tradition it's this weird euphemization and they do that with a lot of serious issues and that's part of the enabling culture and that's also you don't really get to the heart of what's hurting you because it's euphemized and we don't talk about that. I've seen that a lot in British culture where you have people who are traumatized by war, but they can't talk about it. And so they never process it. This is the opposite of what a good friendship should do.
1: Yeah. A, A last little note is that it is important to see women's stuff on screen and in books. And there was a period of time in this book this this is kind of in that where it was just a lot of the bad mother thing was happening in Hollywood and I'd like to think that we're getting a little bit better but I mean there's a this this film grossed 69 and a half million do- dollars domestically d- doubled its production costs and I don't know about the rewatchability of it because I feel like it was marketed as a funny happy movie and I don't this know so off it's well, exactly, but I don't know if people like saw it and were like, "Oh God, the tone is off or if people were like, "Yep, funny, happy because there's a happy ending and clink, clink, you know, <laughs> I don't know um, having not seen it in the in the theater, but I mean, I do I do want to acknowledge that it is important to have women directors and writers writing stuff for women's perspectives. I just feel like this isn't the best example of those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, speaking of chicklet. Jennifer Weiner has some great essays out and she writes, uh, you know, Chiclet, but it's the good stuff. You know, Pride and Prejudice is considered Chiclet, but it's really intelligent, well-written Chiclet. You know, Mean Girls, again, it's smart. Little Women, Fried Green Tomatoes, which is also a fantastic podcast episode <laughs> you should watch. <laughs> Listen to. Yeah, <laughs> In Her Shoes is one of Jennifer Weiner's, and it's it doesn't stop at, oh, well, we have this falling out and it's an easy piece back together. No, they have to talk about it. They have to come to terms. They have to do the discussion, which Mm -hmm. is where you get the healing part of it. You know, A League of Their Own is uh, a chick flick, but it's a really well done intelligent one.
1: Right. It's Well, it's compelling stories that, you know, are about women, not women who may or may not be doing something interesting. I think that there's, that's kind of the distinction.
0: Yeah, there's there's the can't. We're making this for an audience. It's very cynical, exploitive, oh, well, you know, the girls are going to see this because they need a film to see that's often produced by men.
1: And a lot of men didn't like this movie. A lot of the reviews about it were bad. And then there was like this whole, you probably saw this, a whole lot of women writers going, well, they didn't like it because they're men. And then then, thankfully, a lot of women writers were like, actually, no. (laughs) It's (laughs) It's bad. bad. (laughs) Yeah, Slate Salon, they were like, no, 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 bad, bad, bad. It's not just, it's not, Roger Ebert didn't dislike this movie because he's Roger Ebert. He disliked this movie because this movie blew. Yeah, and his review is very short, but it's perfect. It is. It is an amazing review. So, Jennifer. Yes, Kalia. Before I ask you if it was worth your time, I have to do our new segment. How does this movie connect to Star Trek? Oh, God. I'm, I'm doing this now. This is a thing. It's happened in the last few episodes so we have two actual um one is fionnula flanagan who was teensy so old teensy with the white hair okay she is an interesting actress yes she is a, a, an actress and she was in a bunch of star trek actually she was in the next generation in the seventh season um she was in deep space nine in the first I could season totally see her playing an alien she's got kind of those eyes yep she played some aliens and she was in enterprise in the first season so three different star trek for for her and then uh yes ashley judd ashley judd who's amazing she was in star trek next generation she was in two episodes one was called darmok the other was called the game both of which are well loved and actually very well known episodes so they weren't just random one-offs but darmok is is a is like one of the best episodes of star trek completely but also one of the best episodes of next generation and the game wasn't as good but definitely memorable because of the subject matter so there you go that is your star trek connection for this episode and here we are now jennifer was this book worth your time
0: was this movie no no it wasn't It was not worth your time at all. It wasn't when it came out. It wasn't today. It won't be tomorrow. The only point is that it brings up interesting issues that it doesn't talk about, which makes for a really good podcast. Because then we can go, hey, here are all those issues that they brought up, but didn't really talk about, which we're going to do right now, and can do in a much
1: more succinct fashion. And the movie, was the movie worth your time?
0: No, no, it was not. It was not worth your time. It was horrible. The only reason to watch it is Ashley Judd's performance is really, really good. Sandra Bullock has some fantastic lines. And half the time I'm going, yeah, she's totally right. Her mom is insane. And she said this in a very funny way. And then the other half of her lines are just insipid. Feels like a second writer came in and dumbed her down
1: especially at the very end she just yeah they just yeah so no no these are not worth your time the
0: podcast is worth your time (laughs) the the novel are not
1: (laughs) okay well I agree this book is was not worth my time partly because it was it was too long for for not being good do you know what I mean I think if it had been a shorter book I might have been like it wasn't a good book but at least it wasn't very long but this book is like over 350 pages it is It's a book, and um, and it just was unnecessary. A lot of what was in it, the movie. Well, it's a book. The the covers were too far apart. Isn't that the yes? That's the phrase. Um, the movie had an amazing cast. It's so disappointing, but great actresses cannot save a lackluster plot. They tried to fix a few things, but they I don't think they really were fixing what needed to really be fixed. The acting of Ashley Judd, as we've said, was amazing. So really, though, save your time. If you want to read a book about a group of women being awesome and supportive of one another, read Angry Housewives Eating Bonbons*. And if you want to watch a movie about amazing Southern women being amazing, watch Steel Magnolias and call it a day. There you go. That's my verdict. Agreed. If you have thoughts, and I'm sure you will, because when I posted that we were doing this, I had a whole bunch of people who were like, I loved that book, I loved that movie. So if you are one of those people and you've actually listened to this entire episode, wow, way to go you <laughs> and also please let me know let me know what we missed i'm i would be interested to know um anybody out there who who feels differently than us you can email us at pages and popcorn podcast at gmail.com and if you want to discuss it with us we have our monday end of the month poppin event
0: and you can go you two were wrong this is why and we will politely listen and then say- <laughs> Totally exactly right.
1: um yeah for sure and then i am going to link that wonderful review that jennifer and i both read i think we had an overlap well, i have a bunch of sources as always but we both read literary vittles and roger ebert's review they are amazing and i i'm gonna put special attention put special little exclamation marks on those links so that you can read them if you are so inclined so thank you so much for listening and um oh happy mother's day <laughs> make her relationship with your mother be much better than this
0: yes